On this week's Digital Tribe, I talk to Philip Mentar. Video, how good is it for your business? Can you do it yourself? Should you do it yourself? How do you do it yourself? So hello again from the Digital Tribe. Um, as we told you last week, the Digital Tribe is a collective of people on the Central Coast who are all in business working in digital industries. Um, and today, as promised, I'm joined by Phil Menpar. Um, Phil is a video content producer, um, amongst other things, and we're going to talk all about video production and how it can help your business today. So uh, let's start, Phil. Tell me how you got into video production. Yeah, it's actually an interesting story. I started off as a wedding DJ which is not a segue into how you get into video production. But um, being a wedding DJ, uh, I was working with a company that um, doing a lot of marketing in my day. I was helping them with their marketing and um, looked at the industry and what we were trying to do and, and said, right, we need video and we need to do a little series on the wedding industry. And my first leap into video production was to create a webisode series around the wedding industry uh, in the, the city that I was living in. And that was my first taste of video production. I loved it and it fit with my creativity and what I wanted to do and ideas that I had in my head for so long, I was able to have an outlet to to get out. And that was the jumpstart into my video production career. So how long ago was this? That was back in 2011. Um, so webisodes are, are something that were, were quite popular. Do, do people still do that kind of thing? Um, the company I was working with do that sort of thing or just people in general? Just in general, are we still seeing a lot of webisodes happening or is, or is the whole kind of um, way that people are using video moved on? Um, I think it depends on the market you're, you're doing. I think a lot of uh, people, businesses, um, creators have moved on to what we would classify as vlogs which I guess are the modern day webisodes. Um, I do know a few creators um, in my world use a few webisodes to um, you know, tell a story, um, create a, a, a short piece or a short film um, using webisodes. So um, I think they've, the word webisodes probably have evolved through the years um, and we kind of see that switch between the vlogs and now webisodes are probably more a direct series of scenes, if you will. So, so a webisode for, for people who you know maybe haven't heard the term or have heard it but have gone, don't really know what that is, how would you describe a webisode as opposed to a vlog? Um, yeah, well, the difference probably between the two, in my opinion, uh, a webisode, um, think of it like a TV show. So you'd have um, probably a central theme through all your your series, um, you probably have, it, it's longer, um, so you're probably talking, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes um, for the series. It might be short, you know, five to 10 minutes, or they might be 30-minute webisodes. Um, vlogs are more, um, they might be a series of, of things of, you know, teaching um, my day in the life of, um, or travel a lot of the travel industry has gone to vlogs um, but that's a version of a webisode where their theme is traveling or their theme is teaching something um, so it's still in that wheelhouse of webisodes but I think we've just termed it a, more of a vlog because it's it's a blog style um, and I think it's adapted more that way 
um, to be more versatile. So the difference between the two would, would be one's more set of a start and then finish, and the vlog is more of a ongoing. So the, the vlog idea is, is basically expanding upon the blog where, you know, if you take travel, for example, someone may go to Vietnam and they blog their way through Vietnam, telling you all the things they've done, telling you the places they've been, the things they've tried, um, you know, and part of that is an effort to get people to go and try more things. Um, and a vlog is just kind of taking that idea of the, the writing into a, a video content, I guess. Correct. Exactly. Okay, so when we're looking at doing uh, videos for businesses, and we'll look at businesses on the Central Coast, um, what sort of content are you seeing people producing at the moment for their businesses up here? Yeah, there's actually probably two or three main pieces that I, I see. As far as content's concerned, um, I see a lot of um, frequently asked questions. Um, so you know, your particular business, the questions you get asked the most or the information you want to give your clients or prospective clients the most. Um, I see a lot of video content revolving around that. Um, also, uh, more of a, a general overview of, of about us, um, you know, what our values, what what we do in business, what we do in the community, um, kind of a showcase piece of that. And um, I, I've seen a lot more uh, digital ads and um, things to kind of use that digital, digital ad space. Um, I've seen a lot of local businesses start taking advantage of that and, and there are a lot of the local businesses are they doing this themselves or are they getting people like yourself into to do them and is it even possible to do it yourself well to be perfectly honest it, um, with the technology that's out today with um, everyone has access to a smartphone um, and the smartphone technology and the cameras in those are pretty brilliant um, they've come a long way in the life of, of um, mobile phones and so some mobile phones, I would actually say, um, are pretty consistent with some of the DSLRs that we have out there. Um, you don't have big range in a, in a camera phone, but um, for a specific scene or a specific video, um, I, I've seen they work really well and, and compare to DSLRs. Um, the, so to answer your question, yes, I do think it's possible for people to film content on their own. Um, there's a lot more that goes into filming your own content and, and having that professional touch that you would get with hiring you know, an expert or um, someone that does it for a living like myself or many other um, creators here on the coast. So um, it just depends on a few factors like your budget, um, your capabilities, your time, and if you're willing to dive into learning some of the basics to um, you know, teach yourself how to film some basic good videos well let's let's look at some of those basics let's everybody has a, a phone or a tablet or or something with a fairly decent camera on it so if i want to film some some footage of my business uh, and i want it to be the, the best that i can possibly get now let's say i'm going to do a bit of a bit of a chat about the products that i have and show some images of the products um how how do i go about that what's the what are the really important factors that I should be looking for when I start filming this? Sure. Well, I think one of the biggest pet peeves of a lot of us that do film and, and photography and all that stuff is the difference between portrait and landscape. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things that I see a lot of people do. Um, they're so used to 
stories and Instagram stories and things like that and Snapchat where it's all vertical. It's all the portrait style. Um, the portrait style works great in that one specific platform. Um, but when you translate into all the other platforms, that wide angle, the widescreen, the landscape, um, a vertical video doesn't fit very well. Uh, and this is about how we hold our phones, exactly. right? That, that's what we're talking about here. So if you hold your phone up, um, you know, as you normally would to talk, lengthways in your hand then you're going to be shooting portrait yep. but if you turn it round so that it's 90 degrees then you're shooting landscape and that's that's the one that you're saying is the most versatile format is that right yeah so i always encourage anyone when they're filming with their phone to shoot in landscape unless you're specifically putting on a story um landscapes they're most versatile because you can actually take a landscape and put it into a vertical format and it still looks pretty great um, you just can't do the reverse. You can't take a vertical or a portrait and make it into a landscape and and make it look as as nice. Um, so that's probably... and and when 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 sorry to interrupt, yeah. but when when people do that, when they take a uh, a, a portrait video and then it goes into a landscape format, that's when you see the uh, kind of half blurred image of the same thing behind it, isn't it? That's how people are getting around that sort of thing. But it. It does kind of, for me anyway, when I look at it, it's, it's quite distracting and it doesn't allow me to see what I'm supposed to see. Exactly. And and if for a business, um, you know, business marketing is done on such a high level and you have such a small window to capture people's attention in, in this day and age. So to have your best looking marketing materials go out in front of your clients, you only have a small window of of um, error, I guess, before they turn to something else or find something that is just a little bit more polished. So that difference alone, like you said, the distraction um, could mean the difference of someone picking up and, and giving you a call versus someone not. So as simple as filming the horizontal or the landscape way um, might just solve that problem. And one of the other things that um, that I think people don't understand and it's it's kind of a it's quite a specialized field really is lighting but um if we look at lighting what what sort of lighting tips could you give to somebody who's going to go and shoot with their um with their smartphone um, and they just want to get a relatively decent image yeah um well i'm a big fan of using a natural light so um there's a difference between going outside um, in midday and trying to shoot and take something good because that's the harshest light but if you're indoors um using windows and and using the natural light that comes out of your window um, is a great source um, using uh, with led lights that are available um, in your lamps and in bulbs and all that stuff um, you can get a really great looking light uh, on you um, to help brighten your scene up or brighten yourself up and um, and so using a light source um, whether it's a window or whether it's you know lamps from home or if you go out and purchase a, a small small light of, of some sort that's that's out there um, any light source to put on yourself um, is a great thing to do just because you want to have yourself framed and and looking the best you possibly can and any sort of light will, will do that otherwise it'll be too dark um, and again it's too distracting or it doesn't look professional enough um, if you're doing it on your own and the other thing that uh, that i notice a lot is that you know people will maybe set up a light on themselves um, but then they'll still have a window behind them um, and and they become uh, they become almost angelic looking um, with the backlight so it's, it's kind of important to make sure that the the setup that you have allows you to be seen in the best possible way isn't it that the lighting is so so important it really is um, and I mean there's so many things that go into 
shooting a, a scene to make it look professional, which is one of the reasons why, you know, we still have um, lots of professional photographers and videographers out there doing, doing work because there's so much that goes involved in setting a, a scene for an interview for um, product photography or, or capturing, um, you know, different pieces of footage. Um, but when you start looking at your screen from um, how you're going to sit in it and what's behind you, um, all those things you'll start noticing, um, kind of building that platform. So it's, I always say, start with your light first on you, make sure you have the best light in front of you and then start looking what's behind you to see, um, you know, what that looks like. So you don't want anything sticking out of your head from the background. Like you said, you don't want a, a big light or a big window behind you that makes you look angelic or, um, kind of washes everything out. Um, you know, you want a clean background, you want something that looks pretty tidy. Um, and then as you get more comfortable, you can kind of play around and, and build out some better scenes. But in the beginning, it's just keeping it simple and keeping it um, looking as clean and, and tidy as possible. So I've, I've got my phone set up. It's, um, it's sitting on my desk. It's pointing at me. Um, I've got a nice light on me. How important is it where I sit within that picture? Yeah, it's, um, it's fairly important. Um, so... Taking a step back, um, the other thing I would probably recommend is getting yourself a tripod. Um, so to set something up on your desk or, or on some books and things like that, um, in a pinch, is, it works, but a basic little phone stand or, or a little tripod stand um, just keeps that thing level and steady. Um, so there's no shaking, doesn't drop over, things like that. Um, but then where you sit in it, um, if you want to Google the law of thirds is a great, there's many information out on, on Google on the law of thirds with photography and, and video. And um, if you look at movies, if you look at things like that, where you position yourself, um, thinking if your camera breaks down into a grid, um, like knots and crosses, um, finding yourself on um, one of those two levels. And in your phone settings, there's usually a grid setting that you can put on your phone that you can say, okay, I'm going to line myself up on, on this line here um, to kind of frame myself looking looking sharp and obviously if you're doing that you're going to be looking at the screen on your phone so you can see what you look like but there's a difference between the cameras on the back and the front of phones isn't there there is so um the camera the front facing camera so if you're looking at your at your phone you can see you know your your messages and all that stuff that camera that front facing camera um is probably about half as good a quality as the one on the back side so the ones that you'd actually take pictures with and all that stuff. So if you can actually take pictures and, and, and you know, have the capabilities of, of setting your phone up with a tripod, setting your scene, knowing where to sit, um, that is going to give you a much better looking and sharper image than the front facing camera. Um, the other thing I always recommend people do is wipe down their lenses, both front and back when you do any sort of filming, because, um, you know, we smudge our, our phones. If, you, if you're female, you might be wearing makeup. You might get in your front-facing camera. You might have fingerprints on your back-facing camera. So it's always good just to kind of give it a good wipe down before you do. And even in your settings, um, you can change your settings to um, what's available to film. And like I said, uh, camera phones in some ways are on par with some DSLRs. Or you can shoot 4K with with most modern day smartphones. If you're if you have you know a smartphone in the last couple of years, um, you will have the capabilities of shooting 4K. 
which is just the size of res uh, the size of the file or the resolution of the file that gives you the the most information to have it look the best. Okay, so let's just let's just go through the the resolutions then. Um, now, some people will will be completely aware of what resolutions are. Other people won't. So, if we if we take a step right back before HD and we look at the the old sort of TV images that we used to watch, um, so back in the the four three size, what resolution were they? Yeah. So, if you're looking at that, the four three um, in the TV day is probably your your seven twenty or seven twenty six by forty four eighty. Um, and so if you look at like now, most things are shot uh, or have options to shoot at, at your 720, which would have been equivalent to when DVDs first came out. Um, and then when Blu-rays, everything upgraded to Blu-rays, that was more of your 1080p. And then um, now we're into 4K and beyond. And that's um, a lot of things that we see modern day. So, you know, your, your movies are mostly shot in 4K um, or higher. Um, a lot of your... Um, you know, streaming services are minimally shot on a 4K. Um, phones and, and videos that we shoot now, a lot of things are shot in 4K. Um, so that's just the highest resolution that we have um, for, for some of our stuff to, if that gives you an idea or a perspective of um, the evolution of, of that or how it translates into the different platforms. And, and you really notice a difference when you look back at an old TV show. Um, and, and you look at the quality of the the imagery, which you know, fifteen twenty years ago was entirely acceptable, but now you you think it looks like it was done by a four year old child. Oh, definitely. And I, I think too, knowing where you're going to post things um, has a big factor in what size of revolution or resolution you need. Because um, if you're if you're posting specifically for you know like YouTuber or whatever else, um, you know, yes, it's nice to shoot in four K to get that most resolution, but it gets um, compressed down anyway. So the 720p and things like that um, is still very valuable in, in some of those platforms. So it really just depends on where you're putting your, your final product and um, the specifications specifically around what they recommend be the best settings um, to film or, or to upload. And um, it's just a quick little search on any one of those platforms and it'll tell you exactly what, what you should be filming or producing things at. Okay, so we, we've looked at uh, lighting, we've looked at how we're going to set our phone up to, to get an image, and we've even thought about where we're going to sit within that image. Now, the one thing that I noticed that most people forget about is sound. their sound. Exactly. So how do, we, how do we make sure on a smartphone that we're getting good sound? Yeah, basically have a lav mic or a shotgun mic. Um, and what that looks like is a lav mic is one that you actually clip onto yourself that plugs into your phone. Um, a shotgun mic is one of those little... Um, microphones or um, one of those microphones that would sit on your phone. So one's on you and one's on your phone. Um, and those are the two best ways to get quality sound. And I'd recommend having at least one of those, if not, um, if not both, um, just for the fact that sound is so important. You could have a great looking picture and if the sound's not up to par, then people are going to rate it as a poor video. But if you have, let's say, really great sound and your video picture or your um, what you have on your video isn't as, as great, um, they're still going to review that as being a better quality video just for the fact that your sound is sharp and your sound is clear and they can hear you, they can understand you. Um, 
and sound is probably one of the most important things in a video, believe it or not. And certainly in some respects. I mean, having said that, there are lots of instances when I see videos coming through on my Facebook newsfeed, um, and as soon as the sound starts, I'm pressing mute because I don't actually want to listen to what it is they say. Um, and how how do we get around that kind of thing? How do we, you know, people are going to mute your videos. How do you how do you still reach them? Yeah, that's actually a great question. And it's one of our modern day questions that have just pretty much come up in the last, I'd probably say, year. Um, and that the final step to making and creating your own video is editing your video. So um, what does that look like? You know, you, you want to have some information on there. Um, there's a lot of great services and a lot of great apps out there that um, will transcribe your video. So what you say, um, they'll take, they'll listen to that. They'll take all of it. They'll transcribe it into words. And that's how you get what we would like to call our closed captioning or our subtitles. Um, so most videos, when you post on social media, I'd recommend having subtitles on because if you're anything like me, I pretty much do not turn my phone on ringer or on volume unless I really am interested in something or, or need to be notified of something. Otherwise it stays on silent. It stays on vibrate pretty much 99% of the time. So I do all my scrolling on, on social media with, you know, and if it doesn't have closed captioning or it doesn't have a title, I might not be engaged or I might not actually watch it or, or know what you're saying. And if I'm not willing to turn my sound up for it, then you're missing out. So at least having closed captioning gives me a chance to get sucked in, probably hear, understand what you're, what you're saying, and then determine if I want to continue on listening or if it intrigues my interest. Um, so that alone will, will give you a leg up on people. So how long have I got to get your attention? In this day and age, less than six seconds. So if you think so, if I if I have a long lead in on my video, if I have some beautiful panning shot across the entire central coast, and it lasts for twelve seconds, you might you're gone. Maybe depends on what the shot is. Um, so I always recommend if you can get your hook in within the first three to six seconds. Um, think of your um, if you think of it like this: any advertisement you get when you watch any sort of video, you have that six seconds where they play something and then they give you the option to skip. If you don't get them hooked before they have that option to skip, then you, you've probably missed out. Um, so, you know, long intros, long shots, unless they're really engaging or unless you have someone that's really interested in what you're doing or you already have that rapport, more or less, you're not going to get any new clientele or new faces to watch it. Um, but if it's, if there's a hook, if there's something engaging, if there's something visually engaging, if your title of what you're, what you're going to talk about is engaging or relevant. Um, if your first opening lines cut to the chase and pique my interest and give me an idea of what you might be talking about. And if it's something that I want to listen to, um, that's your best chance of retaining that person to watch the rest of the video. And, and talking about things that you're interested in, I mean, I, I think a lot of that depends on your own engagement with the, with the brand or the person, because, it, gone are the days where we could have the shouty rug man saying, come and buy my carpets. So we're, we're now in a, an age where people want to be actually educated about something before they even consider going down the road and buying. So when we're talking about the, the first sort of videos that you're putting out, for me, I always think they should be about, you know, what is our, what is it that we do and how do we help people with that? And how does that affect your life? Is that, is that how you see it or do you see the, the process slightly differently? Um, it depends on 
what your outcome is. Um, so if you're going to talk to any reputable marketing company, the first thing they'll probably say to you, which you can attest to this, is put your foundations in place. Um, before you do all the flashy digital advertising and getting people in the door, if they don't know what you do, what you're about, and what you have to offer, um, all those flashy videos and graphics and everything else really won't matter much because you don't have the foundations in place to retain those clients once they once they get to your website or once they um, make that determination they they want to seek further and seek you out further and, or get further information so um, i think you're exactly right i think if you're looking at putting producing content i think you have to look at those basically core values you know who we are what do we do for you know our clients and what are the most frequently asked questions that we get um, looking at those three um, areas and producing content around that um, gives you that foundation to um, do some more of that, that creative stuff. And some of that stuff isn't necessarily as flashy or as, as visually appealing, but it gives you the foundation to um, build from so that way when you have the money and you want to spend some time to draw in more clients, um, because it is costly to, to market in this day and age, just like it was you know, 10, 20 years ago, um, it's still just as costly because if you're, you know, creating a video, putting on, on, on digital ad space, you still have to spend some money to get people to see it and get in front of people and, and get your reach out. So um, I always recommend putting together that sort of content first. And, and it gives you something of a backstory as well, so that when you start putting the, the flashy stuff out there and people come looking for you, some of the stuff they see is then you educating people about, you know, what it is you do and there's becomes a bit of a personal connection with it as well, which I always feel is so, so important. Oh, um, we've gone. Exactly, because I was going to say, if, if, I, if there's an ad that catches my eye, the first thing I do is I research that company or who that person is. If I've never heard of them before, I'm skeptical. So I'm, I'm wondering how do they get in front of me? Are they reputable? Is this a scam? Is this whatever they're selling me worth worth buying or worth my my attention? Um, so if, if you don't have that resources behind you when you do put out your advertising, um, you're going to lose out on so many clients be, because they're just going to look at you and be like, well, I'm not sure who you are and what you stand for or if I should invest in, into your product or what you're selling. So. Okay, so let's look at our process that we've been through so far. So we've we've got our smartphone out, we've set it up on a, a tripod on the desk, we've lit ourselves beautifully, we've sat in the right place, we've got our microphone attached to it, um, we've recorded some really great stuff. Now we need to edit it. Correct. Now editing is uh, is a skill in itself, but what we're talking about here is basically just trimming the top and bottom of a video. Now. If I'm doing that on um, on a Mac, I could use something like iMovie, mm -hmm. um, and iMovie has, you know, some of the features of, of Final Cut, and it's fairly easy to use. Um, if you're doing it on a PC, then you know maybe you could use uh, Windows Movie Maker. Um, but there's also quite a lot of software coming out on phones and tablets isn't there that you can do some some basic video editing on have you played with any of those yeah i've played with a few um so i mean you have basically the age-old war between macs and pcs and like you said you know iMovie is great um for for macs um adobe premiere um, actually works between both macs and pcs um and they also have a great app um you know adobe premiere clips or 
uh, Adobe Rush um, works really well as an app that you can edit from. Um, for Android, there's uh, an app that I've played with, even though I'm not an Android user, but it's called Filmora Go. Uh, Filmora Go um, to sound it out. Um, and on your iPhone, you still have access to iMovie, and iMovie is a great introductory. Um, easy to use. Uh, it's already included in, in any Apple software. Um, so any one of those you can edit on your on your phone. And there's also plenty of great other apps um, that always come out and, and new developments and new developers that are coming out with things that, um, you know, sometimes just trial and error of what works best with how you want to use the software or what works with your style. Or if you just want some quick drop and drags and um, you don't want to you know, mess around too much. There's other apps out there that you can download and use, and it's just sometimes trial and error of which one works best for you. But um, that group of Adobe Final Cut, Movi, uh, iMovies, Filmago, um, things like that, those are all some basic ones that I'd recommend to anyone on any platform. Uh, and one of the dangers I find with with those kind of apps and programs is that they have so much cool stuff built in. Yeah. So it's really simple to um, to put your titles swirl around the screen and bounce up and down and all that sort of thing. Um, but there's a big danger with that, isn't there? There is. Yeah. Um, it it's one of those things where I always say when you're when you're doing this for yourself, um, keep it simple and keep it professional looking. And um, what you might think is really, really cool might just be your own opinion. And, you know, it's like almost like fashion in a sense. You know, some people have great fashion sense and some people need someone else to dress them for them to make make them look good. So, you know, it's kind of the same thing where um, getting sucked into all the graphics and the movement and stuff like that can be very distracting. Um, so it's knowing how to use it and when to use it and um, sometimes you waste a lot of time putting those effects in when a simple title or a simple standard, you know, I'm going to put this on front of the screen, hold it for a couple seconds, and then, you know, let it go. Um, that might be just as powerful, and and especially in the essence of time, save you so much more time than spending hours trying to get a, a, a swirl right, to be honest. And it, it was so simple to just grab your logo. If you've got a, you know, a great high-res logo um, that people know and have seen around the place, then why not put that at the front of your video? Why not put that at the back of the video? So everything that people see on your website or on your social media or on YouTube, wherever it might be, has that logo because that's your brand. That's about who you are. That's, that's for me, the, a no-brainer. Yep, exactly. And um, even just having a, a simple watermark logo or a smaller version of that logo on your screen all the way through, um, it's just that brand recognition at the end of the day. And um, it, it's it's something that's needed because there's so many, uh, in this day and age, we have so much that's thrown at us and, and uh, in front of our faces that that brand recognition over time, if you're doing things consistently and you're putting out regular videos and regular content, um, that brand recognition you know, will add up over time. And eventually um, those two just kind of, people see your brand and, and know what to expect. Okay, so we've, we've done some, we've pretty much gone through the whole process and we've got some really, really good tips. Um, for people who are short of time, um, let's just break it down into five tips for creating a great marketing video for your own business. 
Oh, only down to five tips. Okay. All right. So I'd probably say location and lighting. Um, make sure those are both looking good. Um, I would say do it horizontally and in 4K if you can. So landscape. Um, keep it steady. Have good sound. And then um, some basic editing. So uh, a title. Um, you know, your, your logo, how to find you and closed captioning would be my five tips. That's fantastic. They can avoid the last 30 minutes. Just listen to that and that'll be great. <laughs> um, Phil, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing your, your knowledge. It's been great chatting to you today. Um, if people want to reach out to you and, and ask you questions about video or, you know, if they need something that's slightly more complex, how can they get hold of you? Yeah, um, on LinkedIn's probably the best. Um, follow, if you find me um, with my name, Philip Mempo, or um, I'm a big user of Instagram, those are probably some of the best ways to um, just simply reach out and, and shoot me a message. Um, and I was going to say I do have a little... 12 steps to make your content look great that I've, I've put together um, that breaks down some of that stuff in detail. So I'm happy to, to include that if people really want to dive in a little bit more and, and, and see, and it breaks down some of those points we just talked about a little bit further. But um, yeah, those would be the best ways to contact me. And, and for those of uh, the, you that maybe haven't met Phil before, we should probably spell his surname for you. Uh, I'll leave that to you. No, just kidding. Uh, sure, it's uh, Philip Menpa uh, with two L's, and my last name is M A E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, P as in Paul, A A as in Apple. Okay, so you should be really easy to find now. Look out for all those messages coming your way asking about how to produce the videos. Um, once again, thanks very much for joining us, mate. Um, it's re always really good to chat to you, and I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to the Digital Tribe. We're back again next week with more tips on how to survive in this digital world. Thank you so much.